Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Okay. This is the 415ers podcast brought to you by the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network with 95.7 The Game. Mark Grandy, Evan Giddings, please download, rate, subscribe, wherever you download your podcast. All right, getting back to the matchup, Mark. Okay, you mentioned kind of your, your, your biggest factor, so to speak. We looked at the trenches, the quarterbacks. What else comes to your mind when this matchup is concerned with Dallas and San Francisco? Because I think we're all in agreement that the 49ers have a better team they're playing better football, uh, but Dallas is in a, a bit of a reversed role from last year where it seemed like there was more of an expectation for them to win and thus, you know, maybe some lemon booty down the stretch. Who knows? But now all the pressure is on San Francisco to defend home field at Levi's Stadium and to get to the conference championship, which they were a year ago. They are better than they were last year as a team. I penciled them into the conference title game. I believe they will win this game, but there is a little bit of that, you know, being forced into it, backed into a corner of expectation. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they handle it. Considering Dallas is on the other side playing with, I would say house money at this point. Yeah. It's an interesting, um, I don't know uh, the way that these two teams are entering this game. Um, I guess in, in danger of sounding like a broken record, I will say that third downs are going to be huge in this game. I think more so than normal. You look at some advanced metrics for the 49ers, and and these are their defense-adjusted value over average numbers on the defensive side of the ball uh, for the 49ers. On first downs against pass plays, Niners best in the NFL. On first down against run plays, Niners second best in the NFL. Second down pass plays, fourth best. Second down run plays, third best. What about against the run on third down? First. What about third down against the pass, Evan? This is the one. Niners 23rd in the NFL. Their defense uh, defense adjusted value over average against the pass on third downs. 23rd in the NFL. And you might think, all right, well, how was how does that translate to, you know, their opponent third down conversion percentage? Niners are 19th best in the NFL, allowing just to take under 40% conversions on third downs. The only team still left in the postseason worse than the 49ers on third downs defensively is Jacksonville. They give up about 43.5% on third downs. Again, this is on defense against opposing offenses. You look at Dallas, where are they on third down conversions offensively? Fifth best in the NFL, converting about 46% of the time on third downs. 
This number is really perplexing considering the fact that the 49ers have the best defense in the NFL. And when you consider you're in a third down and you're going to face a pass, you generally know a pass is coming. Yet the Niners struggle to stop that. 23rd in the NFL against the pass on third downs. If the Cowboys can convert some third and longs, keep drives alive, that could keep them in this game. And who knows, it could ultimately win them this game. That is a place I'm keeping a keen eye on all game long, more so than normal, because the stats suggest the Cowboys might have an advantage specifically on third downs. I think that's a great point. And the other place that we're going to look, and, and it may sound simple, but it's the red zone. Now, we've kind of talked about maybe not concerns with the red zone efficiency, but just some of the numbers that have stood out. And, and Mark, you know, you laid out beautifully, uh, I think it was a week or two ago, the fact that the 49ers in the red zone have been slightly less efficient with Brock Purdy than Jimmy Garoppolo. I think that's partially because of the red zone attempts that Brock Purdy has created much more so than Jimmy G. At the end of the season, San Francisco stands fourth as far as total red zone attempts. The issue is they're 17th in red zone percentage, turning those opportunities into touchdowns. Guess who the number one team in the NFL is? The Dallas Cowboys. Hmm. They are over 70% red zone to touchdown opportunities. That, I think, is where this game is going to come down to because if San Francisco can, A, hold Dallas to field goals, well, we don't know what Brent Maher is going to be on, on Sunday <laughs> as a kicker, missed four extra points on Monday night. But the other part of that is, and the, the second part is, if you are not turning over Dak Prescott, it does appear that Dallas will take advantage of those chances, those possessions, because they tend to score a lot when they get inside the 20s. So if San Francisco is not turning over Dak Prescott, I do think they'll at least force one on Sunday. But if they're not doing it repeatedly, how can they try and at least make things difficult in the red zone for Dallas? Meanwhile, on the other side, Brock Purdy, who creates a lot of chances inside the 20s, can he cash in against a Dallas team that maybe not in recent weeks, but over the course of this season has been slightly better as far as scoring points, 27 and a half per game for Dallas, about 26.4 for San Francisco. So this is a Cowboys team that can score with the 49ers and showed it on Monday night against Tampa Bay. But how can you inside the red zone do enough to make sure that you're getting touchdowns and that the opposition is taking field goals? If the 49ers can do that, again, it may sound simplistic, but I think they're going to win this game. And if they do, and if they win the red zone chances, I think they might win this game running away. Yeah. They might. I mean, I'm interested to see how it all plays out. One thing to note is that the Cowboys have, I mean, we talked a little bit about it. Their defense really has not been good recently. I do think there's an opportunity here for the 49ers. If we, we talked about it a little bit earlier, if the offensive line can keep Brock Purdy relatively clean, and he has also shown an ability to, you know, escape pressure and keep plays alive. I think a little bit in that first half against Seattle, he also showed kind of a tendency to maybe try to escape some pressure before he has to, and it, and it kind of makes plays feel a little helter-skelter at times. Uh, so if the Niners' offensive line can keep him comfortable back there and and maybe he can fight that urge to to kind of flee away from the pocket when when he might not have to, that's going to be important. But if the Niners can do that, Evan, I think there is still a possibility for the 49ers to put up 30 points in this game like they've done relatively often 
over the last, you know, handful of weeks over the last month plus or so a couple months. In fact, I mean, the defense for Dallas gave up 14 against Tampa Bay and really all of that was garbage time. It, it, the game was really already over, but that offense for Tampa Bay is just so messed up. I think that was probably more to do with Tampa, maybe than Dallas. Uh, Washington with Sam Howlett, quarterback, put up 26 on them. Tennessee with uh, Josh Dobbs put up 13. It's not a big number, of course, but they're playing against a nobody at quarterback. Philadelphia with Gardner Minshew scored 34. Jacksonville put up 40 on them. Houston put up 23 on them with Jeff Driscoll getting a number of snaps at quarterback. I mean, this is a defense that has taken their lumps recently against bad quarterbacks. Brock Purdy is better than all of those guys maybe other than Tom Brady, although you could probably have that conversation right now if you wanted to, who's better at this very moment. Uh, so not only has Dallas been porous defensively over the last number of weeks, Evan, uh, but they're also playing the best offense by far that they've played in that stretch against a quarterback who's better than a number of guys they've played recently. So I, I do think while there's a lot of talk, rightly so, about how good this, this Dallas defense is, specifically the defensive line, I mentioned it myself a little bit ago, I do think there are there's an opportunity for the 49ers to put up 30 once again. And if they do that, they're not going to lose this game. I think Dallas can score with San Francisco. But I do think if we're talking about the defensive line, it is more against the pass. I mean, this is a team that you can run on. They are, I believe, 17th in yards per attempt defensively against the run. Total yards this year, they're in the 20s. So they're the, the bottom 10 of teams allowing yards against the run. And that's what San Francisco wants to do. They want to put the ball on the ground. And what's the best way to neutralize a pass rush? It is to run at them and run the football. So if Brock Purdy, I think it where he will get into trouble is if he tends to trend towards that first half where he threw the ball 19 times. To me, a perfect number of attempts for Brock Purdy in this game would be about 20. And in between the 20s, run the ball as effectively, hopefully, as you did on that first drive out of the second half against Seattle. Christian McCaffrey is going to be early and often, along with Debo Samuel and Elijah Mitchell. And when Dallas, they do have a lot of speed, and I think they have a linebacking core that can get sideline to sideline better than obviously in Seattle. But if Micah Parsons isn't allowed to pin his ears back the way he was the entire game against Tampa Bay, I think he had 10 quarterback pressures against Tom Brady. If he's not allowed to pin his ears back, and he's also not chasing a scarecrow in the backfield like Tom Brady is as opposed to Brock Purdy, I do think the Niners can have some success setting up the pass as they have all season with the run. So Christian McCaffrey is going to be option A. I would say Debo Samuel, whether it be on the ground through the air, is option two. And there's going to be a lot of that 21 personnel that Kyle Shanahan has fallen in love with with Brock Purdy. So if Brock Purdy can, like you say, not fall in love with you know the, the dancing in the backfield and trying to do too much, I do think there's inevitably going to be openings for him and this offense to put up 30 points, and then it's just on the defense to hold serve. I know they haven't done that as much lately, um, but I do think that this can be a high-scoring game that the Niners can win, and even if it's a game that's in the 20s, I also think they can win. I want to jump back to something you, you just said. McCaffrey option one, Debo Samuel option two, whether it's through the air or on the ground. I, I think in a vacuum, I agree with you, and I think Dallas agrees with you. And this brings me to my point. 
I was going through a lot of Dallas's games and where they have struggled in areas that they have, you know, failed to, to slow down opposing offenses. Interestingly enough, Evan, they are terrible against number two receivers, generally second best options for their opponents. And I think they're going to believe one Christian McCaffrey is the best option on the ground, but we'll throw him out for the sake of this conversation. I'm focusing specifically on, on wide receivers. I think Dallas will agree with you. Debo Samuel is the biggest threat through the air. What does that mean? It's Brandon Ayuk's time to eat. I think he goes off in this game, at least six catches, 100 plus yards, and a touchdown. He is going to have so much room to operate. You just look at what the Cowboys have done against number two receivers recently. Week 18 against Washington with a rookie at quarterback. Jahan Dotson had 72 yards. He's their second best option at wide receiver. You look uh, a couple weeks before that when they played Gardner Minshew in the Philadelphia Eagles. No one will doubt A.J. Brown is their number one guy. He had 100 yards, but Devontae Smith, the second best receiver, eight catches, 113 yards, two touchdowns in that game. What about against Jacksonville where they lost in overtime? Christian Kirk, they paid him all their money. He's the number one target there. But Zay Jones, 109 yards and three touchdowns against this Cowboys defense. Go back to the game they barely won against Houston. Do you even know who Chris Moore is? Well, he was their second receiver in that game. Ten catches, 124 yards. The Dallas Cowboys try their best to shut down your top wideout. In this game, I believe they'll try to slow down Debo Samuel after what he did against the Seattle Seahawks. That will open things up for Brandon Ayuk. A huge game for Ayuk, over 100 yards, one touchdown. Book it. Coming up for Brandon Ayuk. We shall see. I do like the breakdown. I do think that Dallas is also just like an opportunistic defense, right? Like, I don't think they necessarily play, especially against the pass, um, extremely stout. But if you give them a opportunity, they will hurt you. And they can turn over teams. They've done it for the past two seasons. But I think that this year they have elevated themselves both on defense. And, of course, it really just all comes down to stopping Micah Parsons. Just like for Dallas, it comes down to stopping Nick Bosa. I mean, Nick Bosa is the DPOY. Micah Parsons, in all likelihood, will be second. But Parsons is the first defensive player since Lawrence Taylor to be named first-team All-Pro in each of his first two seasons. The only reason Nick Bosa is probably not on that list is because he got hurt in the second season. But Nick Bosa, it is going to be who can get to the quarterback more. And I will take the DPOY soon to be and the guy who has done it all season long against double teams, against holds, against whoever has been in front of him. This week, it will likely be Jason Peters, although he got hurt on Monday night, apparently is going to be good to go for Sunday. So he's going to be up against a better offensive line that he has faced, I would say, the majority of the season. Just off the top of my head, I can't think of a better one that Nick Bosa and the Niners front has faced. So it's going to be a challenge, but I believe that they will be able to create more pressure than the Dallas defense because the 49ers can run the football better. I think Brock Purdy is more evasive than Dak Prescott. And I think that Nick Bosa is simply just a better player with all due respect to Micah Parsons. So whoever gets to the quarterback more, it will also have an advantage. I'll take, uh, I'll take Nikki B. I, I mean, no argument here. I mean, a couple of elite players you mentioned, probably one and two in the defensive player of the year voting. 
they're phenomenal, and I'm going to have a lot of fun watching them go to work because they're probably going to face a lot of double teams, as you mentioned, and we'll see who can beat them more often. The other thing is, uh, you know, we talked a lot about the Niners' defensive line depth. I also talked about it earlier. The Cowboys have that same thing. So can Nick Bosa swallow up some double teams and open things up for others? We saw Javon Kinlaw. He's back and healthy for the 49ers. Uh, Eric Armstead had a really big uh, play in each of the last couple of games for the 49ers. Um, some other guys as well who have you know been injured. I mean, Jordan Willis, the last couple of weeks, has kind of been an unsung guy. He's been really good for San Francisco. So the depth of the defensive lines, I think, to your point, are going to be huge because the opposing offensive lines are going to be so keen on slowing down those superstars, Bosa and Parsons, that it's probably going to open up some some options, some big play possibilities for some of the others on both uh, defensive lines. And it might just come down to which others capitalize more often. That, that, that could be one of the deciding factors in this game. Yeah, and also with Dallas being more turnover prone, I, I just think there's good, whether it be through – you know, a strip sack, a fumble, an interception. I think San Francisco is going to get at least one turnover on defense. And as we've seen, when they get one, that can change the entire script of a game. I mean, yep. they absolutely flooded Seattle after getting that that strip sack uh, by Charles Amenahue. All right, Mark, let's get to our predictions for the game. Uh, San Francisco is a minus four favorite. The over-under is 46. Dallas at San Francisco, Levi Stadium, 330 kick. Who you got? I got the Niners coming out on top. I think they cover relatively easily. I told you at the top, I hopped on Niners minus three and a half. You should do the same if it's still up there. Niners 31, Cowboys 20. Niners 31, Cowboys 20. Niners win by 11. They cover easily. The over hits. I think it's another good game for Brock Purdy. They take care of the ball. And uh, again, Brandon Ayuk is the MVP of the game, triple digits receiving yards and gets into the end zone once as well. I think Niners cruise to a victory and are on to the second straight NFC title game. I'm sorry, did, did I get a score? 31-20. Okay. over the Cowboys. Gotcha. I think it's going to be a little bit closer, although I do think San Francisco is going to come out victorious. I also think they're going to cover. Because they have done so, Mark, in each of their past five divisional round games, 5-0 and against the spread. little nugget for all of you degenerates out there. Take it how you will. But I think San Francisco wins this game, I'll say, 28-21. I don't think there's many field goal attempts in this game because I also think there's going to be a sense of urgency from both sides. I think we're going to see Kyle Shanahan get a bit aggressive on fourth down. I think that Dallas will do the same because they'll be playing from behind as a result. And with also maybe not some uh, trust in Brent Maher, I don't think there's going to be many kicks in this game. I think it's going to be 28-21. San Francisco wins at home and moves on to take on Philadelphia, who I believe takes care of business against New York. I guess, yeah, I might as well throw out my prediction for the other game as well. I agree with you. I think it's competitive, and it, it comes down to the fourth quarter. The The result is still in doubt, uh, but ultimately, I think Jalen Hurts will probably use his leg, scramble for a big first down on, on a big third down play in the fourth quarter, keep the keep the clock ticking, and ultimately waste the clock on on the uh, Giants. I think Philadelphia comes out on top and well as well and sets up the NFC title game we've all been expecting for almost two months now. Well, we certainly hope it is so. Although, I guess if you had to play the New York Giants, that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world in the conference title be. game. 
it would host the NFC Championship. So yeah. that might not be a bad consolation prize. Either way, we both feel confident that San Francisco beats Dallas and they cover the spread. I think you have the over. I am on the over as well, just so slightly. So that will do it for this episode of the 415ers podcast. We'll be coming at you on, I think, probably Sunday night. We'll record something after the game, TBD on when it will drop, but you'll either hear it Sunday night or Monday morning. So content coming your way, as always, on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network with 95.7 The Game. Mark, thank you, my man. Yes, thank you, Evan. Looking forward to the game on Sunday. Have fun down at Levi's for me. Yeah, it's going to be juiced up. I will be rocking some non-affiliated gear, but I will be rooting for the 49ers. Uh, Of course, we can't show any sign of affiliation in the press box, but it's going to be wild, man. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it as well, Evan. Looking forward to chatting with you after as well. Yeah, sounds good. We'll talk to you next time. Mark Grandy, Evan Giddings. This is the 415ers Podcast. Talk to you next time.